Welcome into another edition of Perpetually Correct. I'll be your host this evening, JB, and I got Kyle Beach in the studio. Kyle, how are we doing? What's up, man, dude? I am excited for football this week. I'm actually uh, actually a little up for college. I'm, we're going to miss J-Mac on this episode, but we'll, we'll hold it down, man. And uh, like I said, you know I'm more of an NFL guy. I like college. I love NFL. I love this week's slate. Man, we, we got a great slate of college football. And yeah, J-Mac's on assignment tonight. It's, it's always tough this time of year with holidays and just the amount of sports going on. He's out covering some NBA for us. I know on the break, you guys had a great episode last night. He's, he's at a couple games this week. So thank you, J-Mac, for doing that. Uh, but we do have his best bet, so no worries. If you're tuning in for that, we will have that at the end of the episode. I'd scroll to there if you're looking that on Saturday. But, yep. yeah, Kyle, you're spot on. I mean, what a football weekend we got. I mean, a lot of implications, am I right? I mean, we got a, we have a spot up for grab in the college football playoffs. Yeah, this feels like the first time that since the whole TCU-Baylor debacle where they both got left out, that yeah. year had a lot of contenders in that for that final slot. It's kind of been a – yeah, I mean, a lot of crazy things could happen, but we probably know who's going to get that fourth seed uh, for the last several years. I'm really excited about this weekend because I think realistically, OU, Georgia, Baylor, or Utah could play themselves in. Yeah, and I think that's the fun part is you have four teams that it, it's different scenarios, obviously, for each, but you have four teams that we're saying you got a chance, you got to win. But I think we've earmarked, obviously, LSU, whether they win or lose to Georgia. I think we're, we've agreed that they're in. They've got to be. The they, resume they is be too in. strong. I, I, would, I don't think there's a chance that Clemson loses, but even if they no. did, I still think they would be in. Ooh, that's an interesting one. I'd have to look at it. I'm not going to say they're out. but the, I, I mean, are you putting in Oklahoma over Clemson? Yeah, that's the tough part is because – I think Oklahoma's more quality wins, but I still think Clemson's the better football team. So right. that comes so, back to, do we know what they want? And we don't. we don't. I know what I want. Yeah, and that's been my big – in Ohio State's in the same boat. I think win or lose, they're, I mean, a loss to a top-10 team in college football, I mean, I don't think it moves, which is exciting, I think, for most fans. And the reason it's exciting because the main team sitting at the five-hole, Utah plays for, uh, Friday night, Kyle. So we have uh, the Utah Utes. Facing Oregon, Utah's a six and a half point favorite, over under a 45 and a half. And the interesting part, I always like to look at these conference championships and where they're played because sometimes it's a home team who gets to host it. Sometimes it's a neutral site. And this one's at Levi Stadium, the host for the San Francisco 49ers. And most of you would think, hey, there's no weather in California. It's beautiful all the time. We actually have a 90% chance of rain with winds gusting up to 20 to 25 miles an hour. Kyle, if you've ever been to Florida, that I don't know if that anyone's <laughs> going to be in the stadium because that that is stay-in weather to Californians. Yeah, and I mean, look at a map. Like, San Francisco is further north than people realize. It's going to be chilly out there as well. It's not going to yeah. it's not going to be an easy football game. I think, you know, both of those teams are probably pretty well-equipped, I would say, right? Because you're talking about Utah-Oregon going out there? Yeah, we got Utah-Oregon, 7 o'clock Central kickoff <sighs> That's Friday night. Friday, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love having a Friday game in the mix. Um, I, I think the weather will play a factor, but it rains a lot in Eugene, and Utah has tough weather too. So I think they'll be okay from that aspect, but it may affect um, the ability to throw the ball, obviously, which that plays right into Utah's hands and what they're trying to do. Yeah, and it's an interesting matchup. This total did open around 49, 48 and a half, and it steamed down to 45 and a half. And I think it's exactly what we mentioned early on is the weather. And wow, it, that's a lot of movement for I was almost a 10% movement. That's a lot of movement. And I think it does have a lot to do with not only the weather, but, you know, Utah and, and a Zach Moss, who's I think going to be a great NFL running back, a steamroller type. And it's two teams taking different approaches. You know, Utah is going to be the downfield running team. Tyler Huntley, a senior quarterback who is a JUCO transfer and has really, I, I think, played himself into a conversation to be one of the, you know, a drafted quarterback at this point. Wow. Uh, and obviously with Justin Herbert going to be a first-round quarterback, I just think we're seeing two different teams. You know, Utah's going to try to establish the physical run game, the offensive line, and you're going to have Oregon who tries to establish the run game. And with one of the better offense lines, Kyle, I'm just not sure Oregon can establish this run game versus this Utah defense that's really stiffened up lately. Yeah, the Utah front seven is solid. And 
Where Oregon's going to be in, in trouble here is if Utah gets ahead and can just kind of run the ball, pound yep. Zach Moss 35 times, force Justin Herbert. Yes, I know he's a good player, but if you're playing in that on that stage in that kind of weather, it's going to be tough. Like, you're going to throw some bad balls, and if you're behind, you might try to do too much. Um, you know, I do think, looking at the line, Oregon's being – I think they're being undervalued here quite a bit. You know, I know you like to look at, you know, what, what how's the team trending – is the line being affected too much by that? Are they over undervalued? This is a severe undervalued or to Oregon on my, I mean, I, I know they lost to Arizona state. It's a weird, yep. tough place to play. People lose there at night all the time that you wouldn't think would lose there. I think they were definitely assuming they were going to win that game. Yeah. Tempe. I've been to a game there. I actually saw the Oregon ASU game two years ago in person when Justin Herbert struggled. Um, it's a weird place. You're going to walk almost a mile uphill to get into the stadium that doesn't sell alcohol, and you're coming off one of the bigger party scenes. Uh, that was a downer. Was not aware of That's that. That's wild. Well, they don't sell alcohol at ASU? They do not sell alcohol or beer at the stadium. That was a, that was a very quick sober up for someone who was drinking since like <laughs> noon for a night game there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think to your point, if Utah does get out ahead, they're going to be able to lean on Zach Moss. Um, I think it's a game you got to let Herbert air it out. Even though there's going to be rain, they, they're down their best wide receiver. I just don't think you're going to beat Utah at their own game, which is running the ball. It, I think you're right. You looked at this line. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, on the show, and it was around a, um, a pick em when you looked ahead at this game, and now it's all the way out to plus six and a half, you know, plus seven some places. To me, it screams value. If I'm going Oregon, though, I'm going money line because I think it's one or two options. Wow. Okay. I, well, I like that. Because they're either going to show up or going to get an all-in effort. Justin Herbert wants to, you know, go out on top. Otherwise, to your point, which you mentioned, they're going to get ahead early, lean on Zach Moss. You know, Tyler Huntley had the highest completion percentage in the Pac-12. I mean, it's a team when they get out ahead, they really know how to play. Um and so it just feels like it's either going to be a you know a weird 24-20 Oregon victory or Utah's just going to you know boat race them 31 to 7 and Oregon's going to get stifled which they've done but i i go back to the USC game when USC played Utah and i think we talked about this on the podcast and Utah's secondary just did look exposed a little bit versus some elite athletes right so I'm just going to be interested. How much will the weather affect what Oregon can do through the pass game? Because if the weather is severe, if it's raining, if there's high winds, I think it really plays into Utah's hands. So it's a game I don't have a ton on right now. I think it's just more of a wait and see and potentially a live bet opportunity. But if you're going anything pregame, I think Oregon money line's worth a look. It may not transpire, but if Oregon gets out ahead, I mean, this could snowball both ways. I, you know, we, we should have done some more research on looking backwards at the Pac-12 championship, but I, I'm just curious on how many games really do get out of hand in this in this conference. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it from that standpoint. There's so many weird things happen in the last eight minutes of college football games, particularly in that conference, as you just said, which does not right. is just not comforting, right? Uh, I like the money line strategy. I do think Oregon has a really good. I think this is a 50 50 or maybe 55 45. You know, I think Oregon has a really good chance to win the game. That Utah loss to USC, that's obviously I've been high on Utah all year, right? Yeah, like, yeah. This year, pick that you want them to win. Right. Like I've been high on him. And when they were really, I think they got up to like eight or nine. They wouldn't play that USC game. It was, uh, yep. it was during the week. I think it was on like a, a Wednesday or Thursday. And I watched that game. And what those wide receivers did to the Utah corners, Utah has second-tier corners when we're talking about elite athletes. Like, they have no chance. I mean, zero chance of guarding LSU or Ohio State wide receivers. Uh, yeah. And I think Oregon's receiver, receiving core is really good. I think there are a lot of good athletes on that side of the ball that are similar level to USC. Yeah, I mean, obviously, USC's probably got one of the better wide receivers. So we don't want to necessarily... Maybe the best in the country. Yeah, I mean, that uh, it's a good group. It's, when you can take your fourth-string quarterback and he's still able to look really good, it's because it's a wide receiver. So. Right. But I'm telling you, dude, some of the angles these safeties were taking, the the, the oh. footwork, yeah, not getting the head around on the corners. I mean, it's just... It, Utah could get exposed in space here. I think yeah. something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah, their their safeties are brutal, but and that's why it's to me, money line's the only play. 
you know, if you get a head down opportunity, you know, maybe they get ahead seven, nothing, get even money, just guarantee profit, you know, something to look at. But I, I just, to me, I'm not big on Utah. I, I don't like teams that are one dimensional the way I feel like they've become with Zach Moss. And I know Tyler Huntley's improved, but just to me, if, if Oregon is humming, if they're on their game, if they let Herbert air it out, if the weather's not as bad as predicted, it really feels like it could be an Oregon win. I, it's you, you lay it with Utah, take Oregon money line. There's no in between to me. Well, we'll come back to that. Uh, we may, we may have some uh, different opinions, but <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I will, I will say this. I, we've been, and I'm be a little hypocritical here because we've been talking about how Oregon could have and probably should have, should have, you know, won that game against Auburn. But I haven't seen Utah play that good against a good team. Like I know Oregon lost the game. I'm not saying it's a good loss by any means, but I saw them be competitive against a really good team. And I just think the SEC is so much better than every other conference this year. And I hate saying that because I, I yeah. hate those SEC guys, but it, this year it like really Patriot is. Fans. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like you look at like A&M, they're seven and five, but their five losses are to Auburn, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. It's like, all right. Yeah. Wow. That, probably a lot of teams are losing all five of those. Yeah. I, I agree. Right. It's deep. And, uh, and usually in these games, I just like to have, you know, the side of the better quarterback just because I feel like plays can happen. And Justin Herbert, I'm extremely high on. I know there's been a really mixed bag. I think that's more to the Oregon play calling. It's been a team that's really wanted to establish the run and then go to the pass when they need it. That's what we saw versus ASU. I mean, they didn't let Herbert air it out until the fourth quarter when they were down. And he looked fantastic. I, I know it were some shell defenses, but – it just seems to me the play calling ha- hasn't done him any favors. And I- I'm going to be interested to see where he goes. I know it always takes one team to fall in love with you in the NFL draft. And I don't think it's going to be hard for teams to fall in love with Herbert. I mean, he's a great kid, elite arm. Um, accuracy has not been a huge concern. It's not elite accuracy. It's not Gardner, Gardner Minshew accuracy. But Right. Let me ask you this, though. I'm with you. I like Herbert. I think he's a good prospect, and I don't know if he's going to fall into this category, but I'm playing devil's advocate. He's six, the kid's big, right? He's six, six seven. Five. What? I thought he was six seven. Okay, we'll see where he stacks up at the combine because he was listed at six seven. And my question was, who's the best six seven? I'll even say six six plus quarterback of all time. Brock my point Osweiler. is, <laughs> right? And he's six you know, six. They got him listed six six. Okay, so who's the best six six plus quarterback? of all time. It's like Nick Foles. Cause he won a super bowl. You know what I'm trying to say though? Like, yeah, there is a certain height where these guys are too tall. So that that's my only concern. I know that sounds like a crazy weird concern, but it'll, that'll be interesting to me to see if that can pan out. Yeah. And that, that is an interesting point, whether it's hand size height or just in general, you know, there's always these weird one-offs where people like to say, Oh, he can't be a quarterback. His hands are a quarter inch too small. And it's like, <laughs> right. well, I mean, it's just hard to lump that in. So yeah, it's something to look at. I, I just, it'll be interesting. That's what I'm going to say. Cause he could go, I don't think he's going to go in the top five, like he maybe would have last year. And so when you're looking at him falling, maybe to the mid teens or early twenties, does he end up on a team, you know, maybe like the Chargers that are mm. built in already with yeah. a great offense of weapons? Like and, you know, what would you rather go to? Would you rather go to Cincinnati and be a top five pick or, no, you know, be in the teens and go to a team that's going to step in? So, yeah, I'll be interested. Or do you want to live in L.A. or Ohio? But I'll digress from my, my geographic and uh, time zone talk. Let me ask you this, though. Is he going to be the first quarterback off the board? Herbert, no. No. no, no, Joe Burrow. I mean, uh, it's got to be Burrow. Two, yeah. Tua probably comes back. Uh, yeah, that'll be. It's something we can talk about in the offseason. We won't. Yeah. We don't take. We've already taken up too much. Time. I think J Mac would be telling us to hurry the heck up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> probably well, right. Well, let's move move on to the uh, the eleven o'clock game there. I think that's the uh, the Big Twelve, isn't it? Yeah, we got Baylor, Oklahoma down here in Arlington, Texas, and in Jerry World. Baylor an eight or eight and a half point dog to Oklahoma, uh, 64 and a half the over under. And if I remember in this right, a couple weeks ago, this was pretty much the same line at Waco in Baylor. Yes. We're at a neutral site field. So I guess Kyle, I'll start with it there. Are you shocked that there's been no line movement, even though we've gone to a neutral field in college football? No, not really, because I'm with, I, I think I'm with Vegas here. I think OU is that much better than Baylor. I think 
Baylor, yes, the resume looks really good on paper. You're a an eleven and one team with some pretty quality wins in a in a above average Big Twelve this year. Um, not a great Big Twelve, but your bet your worst loss is your only loss is OU by three. Like that's that's a good resume. But when you look at Baylor and you really watch them, they're not as talented at OU as OU at any level. We talked about this, you know, when they were going to play the first time. I'm laying OU here all day. I got them – the nine or eight and a half is kind of weird. I would bake them into some money line parlays. I don't think there's any way they lose that game. I know it's a Jerry World where, you know, Waco's an hour and a half as opposed to two and a half to get to Norman, but there's more OU fans than Baylor fans in the world and in Dallas, so I think that'll be an OU heavy crowd. Um, and I look I, I look for Jalen to really get a lot of rush yards here. That – Baylor front seven is just slight. They're not big guys, right? These aren't SEC front seven, so I think they'll have a lot of success running the ball. Yeah, I agree. I think we saw them in this game, the first go-around, them really make adjustments in the second half. Um, well, yeah, because that game was, what, 20, 20, was 28-3, I think, at one point? Or, yeah, yes, 20, I mean, it was, out of, it was out of control. Definitely out of control. You know, the big part for OU was they were missing C.D. Lamb. And, you know, I mean. <laughs> Not talked about enough. They're yeah, I mean, best a, player probably. <laughs> a, a first-round wide receiver you're missing for a whole game, and they came back. So I, I think the line's almost a little short to me because Agreed. Oklahoma's getting their best wide receiver back. Uh, they know what's on the line. And I don't think you want to underweight the fact that what happens if Oregon does win Friday night? You know, that opens it up to both these teams. Yes. And I think OU, either way, if Oregon wins, OU understands what's in front of them. If Utah wins, but it's, you know, 21, 20, you know, let's just say it's a close game. You look at it, it's an over under 45 and a half. You're, you're looking at probably a low scoring close game. Either way, Oklahoma stands. Hey, man, if we go out there and, you know, win 60 to 20 versus Baylor, you know, the you're team, in, bro. It's. You know, we don't understand what the committee is looking for, whether it's just wins, style points, or what. And the fact that Oklahoma has been in the college football playoffs, they are a national name, I would say, to this point. And they've been very competitive. I mean, you look at the Georgia game two years ago. I know they lost with Baker Mayfield. They were up big. I mean, it's a team that hasn't necessarily embarrassed themselves in the college football playoffs. Not at all. They've been really good. And Utah, I don't think the committee wants to put a Pac-12 team in there. So Right. So, J-Mac always says, follow the money. OU's bringing you a hell of a lot more money and a lot more revenue to whatever city you come to than Utah. Yeah. And so, I think, I think it's a game that really could get out of hand if OU gets up big early. And I think, I mean, Kyle, you played collegiately at the football level. I think you can probably relate to a time where maybe a team, whether it's in high school or college, the teams had your number, and you guys get down, let's say, 14 nothing early. You kind of just go, all right, here we go again. Yeah, and I, I think uh, 100%, and I think that's going to happen to Baylor. And the issue is, is when you get in your own head, like there's a psychological aspect of this. When you get in your own head and start admitting to yourself that you know that other team is more talented, that's that's where you're really in trouble. Right. You, you just convinced yourself you're going to lose this game, and I think that's what's going to happen to Baylor on, on that field. Um you know, I, I, I really respect the way that they brought the program back, but it's just not quite there yet. Yeah. So I have two – I want to ask you two hypotheticals, though. Okay. One is – so this line's at a eight and a half or nine. I'm not saying you would necessarily bet OU on this, but, like, how high would the number have to get for you to take Baylor? It's like 20 for me. Like, I wouldn't even take plus 14 and a half. <sighs> I'd still be scared to touch that. I don't know why. Like, because you know – because you know – Oh, you can beat that team by 30, potentially. Yeah, I, I think when you're looking at two-plus scores, that's certainly some value. Um, And I guess it would depend on what happens the night before. Because if, okay. if Oregon does win, and you're telling me I'm getting two scores with Baylor, Oklahoma's just going, all right, let's get ahead. Let's lean on the run game. And that's really what they did versus Baylor. They got up big. You've seen Oklahoma. They've made a transformation. They've gone from that pass-first team, which they had with Kyler, they had with Baker for two years and what they did do with Jalen Hurts when they're facing the easier part of their schedule but right. now when they're facing defenses that are competent Jalen Hurts is not an elite thrower and people who are comparing him to Lamar Jackson are just wrong and he's been proven that versus competent defenses so Oklahoma has no problem running the ball they have a stable of running backs a great O-line Jalen Hurts is a great runner 
And I just think that's what we're going to see. I think they're going to lean on the run game. They're not they're, they're not going to throw it unless they have to, and I don't think they need to. They're going to lean on that, wear out the Baylor defense, and also keeping their below-average defense on the sideline I think is key for them. Yeah, that's what's weird is like the OU defense is still like 30-something in the nation. They've been really up and down this year. I still overall don't think they're a great defense. You know, uh, Vanilla Gorilla Josh, who I do the on the break with, big OU football guy from Oklahoma, thinks they have a terrific defense. I think it's just better than normal. Like it went from abysmal to like, Eh. Yeah, average. Hey, this looks like a Big Twelve defense. But they have played really well in certain games, so it'll be interesting to see which defense shows up in that game. Um, Yeah, to me though, I, 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 I'm looking at it right now. Either way, I want to take the adjusted line. I wouldn't mind taking a minus fourteen and a half or like plus two hundred on OU, which some books offer. Because that's cool. I I just think if they are going to win, it's going to be a boat race. J Mac or yourself may disagree later in the show, but. To me, I'd rather get out ahead of it. Shoot, take the minus eight, eight and a half. Maybe we can get Baylor live, like plus 28 and a half. You know, find that middle. You know, nothing wrong with taking some live betting angles. But yeah, I mean, because if OU goes up like 14-0 and they think they're going to – that line's going to be like 27. So you can yeah. take that live, and you know they're going to probably keep that within 27 points. And I don't think books have adjusted to the new Oklahoma offense. Um, I mean, <laughs> Jalen – Jalen Hurts' rush yards at books are pretty below 100 yards, 60, 70. Past couple weeks, based on his rush attempts in this game, I mean, this is basically the last game for He's Oklahoma. running over 100 yards this game. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're not holding anything back. I mean, you're, you're not, you know, it's kind of the same thing for Georgia. You know, you look at these teams where they got a win to get in. Same with Oregon and Utah. I mean, you're throwing everything to the wind here. So I, I think we could see a game where Jalen Hurts' rush yards could just be ridiculous from the standpoint of they know it's yes. an advantage. I know you're a big prop bet guy. I try not to uh, be a deviant of that level. But, I, dude, if, if you can get Jalen Hurts, like, rush yards, you know, over anything like the 70s or 80s, def, I'll definitely like the over there. Let me see here. I'm going to pull up. Yeah, real quick. pull it up. And while you do that, I'll ask you my final question. Then we can transition to the afternoon game. Um, if let's assume Utah wins. Sure. To me, it still doesn't matter because I think the winner of the Big 12 game, assuming LSU wins, should be the fourth team. I think the Big 12 top to bottom is much, much stronger than the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has a lot of bad teams. I guess I would agree, except I, I'm just not a Baylor fan. So somehow Baylor did win. I, you know, Charlie. Brewer, I'm with you. They're not one of the four best teams, and that's what my, I think the criteria should be: is who are the four most talented teams? Yeah, and that's exactly what we've talked about on the show before, and that should be the criteria. And fortunately, the committee makes it not that way, which is extremely frustrating. Well, if Baylor or Utah gets in, we'll know that that's probably not true. I think you probably splitting hairs with, with OU or Georgia. Like those are four or five, either way you want to put it. Um, you know, if we get a, if we get a Utah and Baylor loss. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, it'll be something certainly interesting to monitor, but from there we could have another game with even more meaning on the line. If Oklahoma does lose and Utah loses or, or if they don't, e- either way, we have the Georgia Bulldogs with kind of a playing game. This is their eight, Eight game play or eight team playoff is basically what we're seeing with Georgia. They're a seven point dog to LSU in the Mercedes Benz Dome, indoor dome. Um, as I mentioned, seven point dog over under of 54. Uh, Kyle, um, where are your thoughts right, right now? Man, I, you know, I've been big on LSU all year. I think this is a, a really big spot for them. I do think that Georgia is going to present some issues. Um, primarily on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get to Georgia's offense in a minute. It's not something that I'm incredibly scared of. Georgia on the defensive side of the ball is incredible. And I didn't even really look at it, realize it until I looked at the numbers. I've seen, you know, three or four Georgia games. They played well in the games I've watched. Um, You know, I look at the box scores. It's always relatively low total points. But, you know, what, what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball is really incredible. They're actually second in the nation in rush uh, rush yards allowed per game. They haven't given up over 100 yards of the last five games. Those are all SEC games. And they, they held A&M to, to negative two, uh, 68 yards per game uh, for, the, for the entire season. So you're looking at a defense that's given up 68 yards per game. 
And then you, on the flip side, you got LSU's offense, which has been absolutely incredible. We've all talked about how, you know, this is a shot in the arm that this offense just hasn't had really ever, not in our lifetime. So that's really where something's got to give is Georgia rush defense versus LSU rush offense. I do like LSU in this game, though. I think the line – is it – are we settled at six? I know it was five and a half. Well, seven is what I'm saying. Seven? Yeah. God it it opened up – I mean, if you look at the first book that opened, I uh, won't name their name. Uh, they opened at three and a half, went to four and a half, five. I mean, just got – Three and a half armed robbery. Yeah, and, and I mean, I was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago saying I, I think everyone's going to be shocked by how low this line opens, and that's exactly what happened. Um, unfortunately, a couple aspects – you do have a Swift with a shoulder injury. Said he's playing. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near 100%, uh, but he's suiting up. I guarantee you that. Their best wide receivers out this game. Second best wide receivers suspended for the first half for throwing a punch in a meaningless game versus Georgia Tech. So what dumb. A, what an idiot. That's what you get with the freshmen. So, to me, LSU, I love LSU here. You know, we've been big Joe Burrow. You mentioned it. We've been Joe Burrow fans since, you know, week one. Um I guess it's Kirby Smart. He, you got to look at it. Okay, one of these teams has been here before. They've been to the SEC championship. They've been in the national it's championship. Um, Coach O hasn't. I think there is something to be said to that. You know, there may be some nerves, but man, I just don't see how Georgia defends this team. And we've talked all all year about the issues both of these teams have over the middle. They both lost elite coverage middle linebackers to the right. NFL draft first round. And they both had issues, but I mean, I, I guess I just don't see where the points come from for LSU to win or cover this game from the standpoint of you're missing guys on the outside, Swift's at less than 100%. If I'm LSU, I'm loading the box. I'm not losing with DeAndre Swift running six to seven yards per handoff. Right. I want to see if he's healthy. We're going to gang tackle the crap out of him. And if Fromm's going to throw to third string freshman wide receivers, Great. If you're going to beat me, great. But I don't believe that Fromm's going to be able to out-duel Burrow with these current offenses. No, and I know you're a big Fromm guy, too. I mean... I, I love Fromm, but I mean, I mean, all year, even with healthy wide receivers, there have been limited separation. But, I mean, it goes back to that Utah factor where if Georgia comes out, they put an eight-minute drive on, <laughs> Russian Swift, play action, and you're keeping that LSU team on the sidelines out of rhythm, Maybe something – I mean, it's going to have to be a perfect game from Georgia, right? Right, I mean, and I, I just don't see that happening, man. And, dude, Joey Burrow showed me everything I needed to know about him in, in terms of just having – just being cold-blooded, man. The way he went into Tuscaloosa, he looked calm the entire time. No matter what kind of adversity faced in that game, even though there's relatively little for what you'd expect in Tuscaloosa, he just looked ready to go, man. And I don't think he's going to be intimidated by this Georgia team as, as – Many NFL players are on that defense. I think they're going to have their way with them, and I think I think they cover this line. And we'll we'll touch on this in best bets, uh, one way or another. I can I can assure you. Yeah, I just something feels weird about it, though, right? I mean, I think I think my pick will surprise you greatly on that. Okay. Okay. Leave, leave um, it at that. Otherwise, college football. I, I mean, we got Clemson. They're going to boat race Virginia. <laughs> We got Ohio State pushed out to a 16-point favorite. Anything on the Ohio State team? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll skip over Clemson. They're going to crush them. They're they're going to get in. You know, they're definitely one of the four best teams. Ohio State, I think that opened up. You showed us 12 and a half, 13, most books. Now it's up to 16. Still would would lay that. Or if you can get them at a decent money line number, minus seven or 800, I'd work it into some money line parlays. We saw what happened the first time, and I don't expect much different of a result. Yeah, I, I texted you guys last weekend. I mean, for some reason, I, I was watching Justin Fields versus Michigan. I mean, the guy is throwing to wide receivers with no one within 15 yards. Wide open. And, and so I, I'm not I'm not concerned here because, honestly, Wisconsin should have lost last week to Minnesota. I mean, I watched that full game. And dude, that score I mean, was not telling. I watched it too. Yeah, in between the – just the weather conditions. I mean, there's no ability to throw, and that's how you exploit Minnesota's through the secondary over the top. I mean, to where every team that's there, Wisconsin. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wisconsin. And so uh Wisconsin in Minnesota had guys streaking wide open, but you just couldn't get the ball downfield. Right. And so to me, 
unless there's that Russell Wilson magic, you know, that one year he was at Wisconsin. It, and I, I guess I don't put it past the fact that they have Jonathan Taylor. It's kind of a theme with these college games where you have these one dimensional teams. Well, if Wisconsin's able to establish the run, put touchdowns on the board, keep, keep, I mean, They'll I keep I, it close, but if they don't, they're going to get their asses kicked. And that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you, if Ohio state gets up at any point by two scores, it's just going to snowball. I just, I think there's a lot of snowball opportunities this weekend. I, I agree, man. And I'm with you on Justin Fields. I think he is being a little hyped right now. I think he's a good player. I, I don't think yeah. he's the best college quarterback by any means. He has better wide receivers and running backs and man, even arguably a better defense than even, you know, Terrell Pryor and, and some of the, la- uh, the last few guys to come through there have had. It, I will say he has a better arm, I think, than most of the, the quarterbacks they've had over the last decade or so, where there's a little bit more of a RPO. It's more, you yeah. know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think – they're going to steamroll in this game. I have some concerns about Justin Fields performing against um, an LSU or a Clemson defense, though, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, it'll be fun to break down. Well, from the college ranks to the NFL ranks, we have a great Thursday night football game. Maybe, uh, I don't know if great's the right word, but <laughs> it's, Dallas- it's one word, but maybe not the right one. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys head up to Chicago. Minus three point favorite over under 43 and a half. Um, you know, Cowboys kind of got bailed out last week with a loss uh, for Philly to Miami. But when you really look at it, it's going to come down to that week 16 Philly Dallas game, no matter what. So I, I guess, Kyle, I'll start here. I'd say obviously this is sort of an elimination game for the Bears. You know, if they drop here, the wild card's too far out of reach. Uh, and if you look at their schedule, uh, I guess just overall it looks out of reach. But for Dallas, is this a spot where they can rebound? You've had certainly Jerry Jones supporting Jason Garrett in the media. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch is still out. Jeff Heath is out. Antoine Woods is out. Those are three key starters across all three levels of the defense. So is this a spot where David Montgomery or Mitchell Trubisky can have success? I don't know. I actually feel good about Dallas in this game. I've said that too many times this year and uh, been wrong too many times. I'm still, I don't know what stage of grief I'm in from last, from last week. I haven't really been able to fully deal with what, what happened in just Josh Allen coming into our house and ripping our hearts out on Thanksgiving. I need like Cowboys fan anonymous or something. It's really getting to a point where there's a lot of just, I I don't have a lot of faith in this team, man. I really want to, I'm looking at the schedule. They could go four and zero over this stretch pretty easily. They could go one and three also, and that that scares me. I think they're going to end up winning the division though at eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. Um, that being said, I, I, I don't think that Trubisky's going to have an overwhelming amount of success. I understand, you know, he okay heats out. That is a big deal. Antoine Woods getting some pressure up the middle, but that Bears offensive line is still mediocre. We have you know Quinn. And, uh, and Tank coming off the edge, mixing in Bennett there as well. I think we're going to be able to actually move the ball on this defense. I've done nothing but sing praises to the Bears' defense all year. Uh, I think this is one where Jason Garrett comes out and tries to run Zeke 30 times. I, I really hope that it is because the recipe for success is not just trying to, to throw. And we saw that last week. I think Dak had a horrible game last week. I think there's a, this is a bounce-back spot from him. Um what are we looking at here? Two and a half or three on the line, I guess, depending on where you're looking at. I think it's three. Yeah, we're looking at three. Uh, I kind of like that. Uh, I'm going to do our listeners a, a favor, though. I'd stay away from it. Um, if the if the Bears do win, it is going to take, I think, a big game out of Allen Robinson, um, exposing either Cheeto or, or most likely Byron Jones will be on him because Byron Jones was number one pro football focus corner last year, and he has not been that good this year. I hope we don't pay him top corner money because he's been getting exposed and I think Allen Robinson has the size to do it to him yeah a- Allen Robinson's I mean I think he's really excelled lately and just being yeah. their go-to target and, you know kind of some garbage time um it- it's hard to say like man you-, you think Mitchell Trubisky can get right the guy just looks so lost he played I mean, well that- last week he played well twice in a row he, he, yeah. Um, I mean, when you're playing the Lions at home, I guess I don't put too much weight into things. Yeah. But 
I guess at this point, you know, Jerry came out and said he took notice that Zeke is at an all-time low for touches in his career. Um, he said that's something that will be addressed. So to your point, Kyle, um, if there's right. a game where Zeke Elliott's about to get fed screen dump downs, and it looks like Tony Pollard's probably out this week. Yes. If you look to the injury report. Yep. So, yeah, um, I'd be looking to fire up Zeke in your DFS player props. That, that could be a way to go. Um I mean, the Cowboys' offense hasn't really been an issue to me. It's been oh, more, it's like a top more, two or three offense. I, I mean, but it's been every week. If the offense is humming, it's great. If it's humming, but Brett Maher is missing field goals, and then it puts them into positions to go on fourth downs, and then you call out routes versus great coverage line. I mean, it just seems like it's a one or the other is falling apart. Either I'm Brett Maher, who's not yes. converting, which is forcing into weird opportunities, or coaching decisions, whether it's fourth down or play calling, that's stunting the defense. So um, you got to maintain or, you know, retain Khalil Mack on the outside. You got to push him out. You know, Tyron Smith has not looked great lately, so I'm not sure. I think he's coming to the end. I know he's only like 29, but he, he I think he's kind of right, right at the end of his career of being an elite left tackle. Yeah. I got, injuries, he's got, man. He's going to be older than 29, right? I think he's 29 or 30. Um, I feel, I think, yeah, I think wow, he's 28. Oh, 28, wow. December 12th, right? Yeah, because we're, we're like two days apart. Wow, Same I, got, I got to be honest. I felt like he's been around forever. So, yeah, to your point, though, injuries have derailed him. Leo Collins has played through a lot. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, former second-round pick Connor Williams is out for the year. Yeah, that that's that's a bigger blow than I think people want to lead on. He's been very steady. He got really good in year two. He put on that weight because he was just too undersized yeah. coming out of Texas. Yeah, very undersized. Put on the weight, been around pro bowlers, now playing next to – you go from playing next to Joe Looney, who's a career <laughs> special teamers, to playing right. next to an all-pro center and an all-pro left tackle, you're going to look a lot better. So, I, I don't know. The, the over kind of interests me because, to, to what I mentioned, Jeff Heath's out, Van Der Esch is out, Antoine Woods is out, which is a big run stuffer, and Tyrone Crawford, who's on IR. So, you're looking at missing your two starting defensive tackles – if Chicago wants to establish a run, I don't think they'll have a problem doing that. The, we just haven't seen them give it to David Montgomery consistently. Which no, is they, confusing. they love to try to force it to Tariq Cohen for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't understand their hatred towards relying on David Montgomery. But this will be the one week. The one week that my Cowboys <laughs> play David Montgomery, he's finally going to just get fed. So Yeah, maybe that's who you should fire up at DFS. It's just, yeah, one of the two. But I just... I don't know. I say this every week, I feel like, with the Cowboys, but doesn't this have to be the all-in effort game? I mean, yeah, you have the Rams at home next week. Yeah, it's probably next week after we lose this game. We're 6-7. and seven. That's probably the all-in game. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know, man. I just feel like, God, I mean, Garrett's on the hot seat. I mean, at this point, right? I mean, if is they Nagy's lose. Is Nagy's job secure, though? Who? Is, is Matt Nagy's job secure? Because I feel like, I feel like, Chicago, this is this is definitely an all-in game from them. I mean, they got to win out to go ten and six to even have a shot at the wild card. Yeah, but you looked at their schedule. I mean, they put like it's Green Bay, Minnesota, yeah, us, it's not going to happen. Like New Orleans or something. Yeah, it's, they sort of six and six and ten or seven and nine probably. Yeah, and they probably I don't think they we went over this right. They don't have like a first round pick or second round right, pick next right. Year. I mean, so not as good of a situation as it looked like last year. Yeah, I don't know. To me. To me, I feel like there is value in Chicago. I mean, you switch this around again and get three points for home field advantage. I, I don't feel like on a neutral field, the Cowboys minus six would make sense. Or minus nine at home. That'd be sketchy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably I probably wouldn't do that. I, I don't know. I think it's for a me, it's a stay away. I do, if I'm going to do anything, it would probably be, I like that over. That's a good look. Yeah, I like the over. Get to 43 because then a 23-20 game. You push. Um, I, wow. I think I think the over is a de- decent way to look, or or you know look at some teaser options. Throw the over in it, get it down to thirty-seven. You know that's a really low that's number. That's a great number, dude. We're, oh yeah, we're gonna talk teasers later. We're gonna work some. We're gonna work some teasers in today. You're gonna like this. All right, all right. Well, yeah. I, I guess on our side, you know, obviously being Cowboys fans, we're we're certainly rooting for them. You're hearing a lot of the right things in the media down here, but that hasn't necessarily translated so far year to date. So I guess we'll see, right? Yep. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, perfect. Well, to a team that we just mentioned, the Buffalo Bills, who defeated the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Bills are a six-point dog at home to Baltimore. Um, also an over-under of 43. Pretty low for what we've seen Baltimore able to produce. Kyle, I guess I'll start with, I mean, six is a high number for a road favorite for a team that you're facing that's nine and three. Yeah, as I was well. going to say, has there ever been a nine and three team that's given six or that's uh, getting six getting at six home? At home? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. it's pretty unheard of. And I, I, this is going to sound crazy. I think Baltimore is being overvalued here, but I think Baltimore's the best team in the NFL right now. It's just, uh, that's a lot, man. Uh, I, I think Baltimore wins the game. So if you what working Baltimore into a money line wouldn't be bad, especially to mix with some of those college games we talked about earlier, like yeah. uh, you know, like Ohio State, OU. I think those are you know you do just those two, you're still getting like minus three hundred. But you throw this game in there, you're back to even. I think the Ravens win the game. I would definitely stay away uh, from the six, though. I mean, it's just. I don't know, man. Buffalo's defense is good, and I think they're going to play well at home. And I think they're going to be hyped for this game. Like people don't realize Buffalo's crowd is really good, um, and I think that's going to play a factor here. We'll have to see what the weather looks like. Kickoff, you know, it's December, and you're basically in freaking Canada. Um, <laughs> but we saw what Lamar did to San Francisco last week, and I think San Francisco is a more physical and overall better defense than Buffalo. So if he replicates, you know, 100 plus yards, it's I mean, it's a wrap to me as far as at least winning the game. I mean, this dude's got a, almost a thousand yards through 13 games. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Cowboys didn't get the memo that the bills run rush defenses below average. Um, you know, they, they had Kyle Williams retire last year, kind of unexpectedly, um, which they didn't really have a replacement and Oliver's not really a run stuffer, kind of a different, no. different edge to him and what he's looking to do. Um, you know, this is a team that's bottom 10 in uh, run defense efficiency in the NFL. And, uh, quite frankly, one of the, I'd say worst tackling teams that I've seen, um, not good when you're playing Mark Ingram. No, um, to me, it, I mean, six seems high, but I don't think that Baltimore is going to pass the ball this game and they can win it very easily. I mean, Buffalo has been more efficient at home. I mean, they keep getting wins, but they're not versus good teams. I don't think you can put the Cowboys in a good team category right now anyway. No, you can't. And, you know, they're like we mentioned, they were missed field goals. There's mismanagement of play calling. I mean, it's not really a win for them. I'm walking away a short week. To me, I, it's a later don't play it. I don't want any part of Buffalo at plus six. I mean, right. I agree with that. Later don't play it 100%. Yeah, later don't play it to me. So um, we'll- I, I will say this. I called this in the first quarter, six minutes into the first quarter when we did the uh, the live stream of the Ravens-San Francisco game. You know, I had San Fran plus, plus three. J-Mac was given the three uh, for Baltimore. I said, this is going to come down to Justin Tucker field goal. You realize that. He's like, ah. And it came down to Justin <laughs> Tucker field goal. And the, the, it seems like this game could potentially do that. Although I, I, now that I'm talking – I think I'm talking myself into Baltimore here. Uh, this is just the game where I 100% trust Baltimore and do not trust Buffalo at all. I agree. I agree. Well, to another noon kickoff, we have San Francisco heading across a couple time zones to go down to New Orleans. New Orleans, a two-and-a-half point favorite, over under 44-and-a-half, which is pretty low for what we're used to with New Orleans games. Um, Kyle, I guess I'll start with you on this front. Um, which teams get established the run game? Both want to, uh, but which team looks can have more success? 49ers. I'm a wow. big, big Saints fan, man. This is in, in the dome. So I I always make a big deal about how good of a home field that is. I think it's, if not the best in the league, top three or four. But Kamara just hasn't been the same type of guy this year. I don't know if he's fully healthy. Uh, he might still be dealing with something. I don't know if it's adjusting to the role of being more of a featured back. I think they got to work in some Latavius Murray just to keep uh, keep it balanced and healthy there. That is going to be New Orleans' way to win this game is to to get that going early and get get Drew in some play action. And because if you can start opening it up like that with Michael Thomas, feels like you know a potential Ted Ginn seventy yard touchdown. Right, if you really get that run game going or the short intermediate passing to Michael Thomas, um, this is one where I trust San Francisco more. Like like I just said, I trust Baltimore more than uh, Buffalo. I trust San Francisco more than New Orleans in this spot. 
Um, New Orleans hasn't been overly impressive in their last few games at, at, at all. And I said it to Justin when we were watching that game last week. I don't walk away from that game thinking San, any less of San Francisco. I think San Francisco played a damn good game and could have won it. Um, I think San Francisco might win this game outright. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Jimmy G moving forwards and into the playoffs. And I'm I, I trying to make that clear to Justin. He had some, he didn't look great last week. He had some errors that I really wasn't um, comfortable with. But if they can just get Coleman and freaking Mozart all of a sudden had a breakout game last week, I think Braid is still out. But I, yep. I, I, I like them getting that run game going, even though the Saints defense has been, you know, above average this year. Yeah, they held Breed out last week in prep for this week. Um, okay. Haven't had any news because, and the reason, real reason behind that is this is this game's really everything to San Fran. One, yes, you, you know, you, you got to keep pace with Seattle, but also they're undefeated in conference play outside of the Seattle loss. So, and that's the tiebreaker for record wise when you head to the playoffs. It's for, not division; it's conference. Well, it, it, outside of the division. So, gotcha, if they win gotcha, the division right. and they tie the Saints in record, okay. who are also ten and two right now then they want to hold that tiebreaker for the number one seed. So there's a lot to play for on each side here. Um, it's a good coaching I, battle, too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I haven't loved this Saints team. And obviously, no. they've had a weird, weird season, you know, between the Teddy going undefeated. Then they come out with the stinker versus, what was it, Tampa that they lost to? Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta, I apologize. Home. Out of the bye, lost to Atlanta. I don't know. I've been, I've been getting on this San Francisco bandwagon. I love that George kills back Emmanuel Sanders. Big deal. Bo- Bose is creating a lot of issues. <laughs> Dude, that <sighs> guy's me, insane. To me, I'm just Drew Brees doesn't look the same to me anymore. I mean, we saw that at the end of last year. It's like he's 40 or something. Yeah, weird, weird. That happens to quarterback. <laughs> I think that the Saints are the have the biggest question mark of all the good teams in this league. You know, if you look at all the eight or nine plus one teams, they definitely have the biggest question mark. And this is a noon kickoff, which is the other reason I like San Francisco. I know they're traveling across time zones. I know all that. Damn, dude. Oh, my God. But they did this last week for Baltimore. Yeah, they did. So this isn't going to be out of pace. And the reason I say that is because I don't know if the New Orleans – New Orleans fans on Sunday Night Football, we saw this for the Cowboys. It's unreal. I mean, that's a great really home field is. advantage, but it's the same deal. When you're playing noon, it's a different type of type of rowdiness compared Versus to at night. At night, so to me, yeah. I, I, I like what you said about Mostert getting going. If Breed is back, you got Coleman. You got, I mean, the, the team's getting healthier and healthier every week, and they know it's a must win. And I'm not saying that's not a must win for the Saints either, but if you look at what their secondary has been able to do, completely shutting down teams. If Richard Sherman is one of the few guys who I think can match up with Michael Thomas physically, height-wise. Yes. And I think they're going to go in there and go, hey, we got to double them. We, we, they are one of the few teams that have a defensive line that can rush for and get pressure. And Drew Brees is kind of getting to that Wait. Eli stage where he folds like a house of cards <laughs> oh, when you get around him. Wow. And that's what we've seen. So if, if San Francisco is able to establish that D-line like they've done in most games this year, only rush for double Michael Thomas over the top, I think there's a lot of possibility that this game could be. I mean, we've seen it over under 44 and a half. It seems like a game that, you know, both teams want to run it. I'm not sure a lot, both teams are going to have as much success as maybe we thought. It could be, you know, like we saw last week, even though there was weather conditions, like a you know, 2017 type of game. Right. And that game was 17 14 and a half. It looked like it was going to fly over. Right. And it, and it didn't. Right. So I think that's, I would, I would tend to look at the under here. You know what I really like? This isn't my best bet. This is just spur of the moment me thinking of it. If you do a seven-point teaser, now it's going to be minus 140, but you could do under 51, San Fran plus 10. Got to feel pretty good about that. The the clock is – what you have to realize about these teams that are trying to run the ball 50% of the time is that clock is going to be moving, man. So when you have that under, you're just trying to see first downs and and the ball being ran. Yeah, and on top of that, when they're not running the ball, both teams love to do these quick passes in play. You know, it's not these deep, you know, they're fine doing the five yard check down that keeps the clock running even, even outside of the run game. Same thing with Seattle, you know, the dump offs to the tight ends, Hollister, 
you know, the quick slants to Metcalf and, and, and Josh Gordon, it's kind of the same deal. So, yeah, I think the clock could be moving a lot here. Two teams somewhat familiar with themselves. I mean, Shanahan's played a lot of games where Sean Payton, not necessarily as a head coach, but as a coordinator uh, from yep. his time in Atlanta. So this point. isn't this isn't like a Shanahan's very familiar with what yes. Sean Payton does. Yeah, I think Sean Payton will try to put because of that. There's no way Sean Payton's not aware of that, right? Like he understands right. that. So I think he will put a pretty unique game plan together. I'd like to see him maybe, you know, give like I said, give Latavius Murray. Um, a few more touches, try to get the ground game going early. Throw Kamara out in the slot. Dude, I love when he goes out in the slot or goes in motion. That dude runs routes like wide receivers. Like his mm-hmm. footwork on route running is elite compared to running back other running backs. Well, it's what we've seen out of Kareem Hunt, too, in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Kareem Hunt's been really impressive since he's uh, since he's came back. But uh, I know there's a few other games we want to hit on. I know we've hit on some already really – Marquee matchup, especially at Baltimore, Buffalo. This is the 49ers Saints is the game I'm most excited for. And I'm, I actually like it being a 12 o'clock kickoff. It gives me, you know, a really fun game to watch early in the day. Yeah, I agree. The noon kickoffs this week coming off these like awkward bye weeks where everything's yes. been flexed out. Nice to get back to full state. Well, we'll break down two more games starting with the Kansas City Chiefs heading to Foxborough. Patriots are a minus three point favorite over under 48 and a half. Cal, you're going to hear it all week, documented the Patriots' record off a loss, this, that, and the other thing, how amazing Tom Brady is, and he's not hitting an edge. Cal, has Tom Brady fallen off? Mm, a little bit. From last year, not a ton, but a little bit. I think he has skill position players that aren't really NFL starters, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for the guy. It's just I'm just being real, man. Like, Jacoby Myers and Philip Dorsett are not – you know, Tyree killing Sammy Watkins. It's just not an Edelman. I swear to God, every time that guy falls down across the middle, when he gets up, he's just wincing in pain after he's done talking mad shit to somebody that would just stick him in the streets. But I digress <laughs> on that. Um, this, so this is a three, yeah, 325. So I'll be in fantasy hell by this point. All my seasons will be over. Excellent. So I can really yeah. enjoy this. I, I, I like Kansas City here. I think the plus three is a great value. I think I think Mahomes is starting to get right. Like, I think Mahomes is probably 80 to 90%. Um, I like the way that they're playing right now. I think there's a sense of urgency in the team. Chris Jones, the D lineman, uh, the D tackle came back. Big deal. That's a Pro Bowl player. Um, I think we're going to see New England's offense continue to struggle. I don't know what Mahomes is going to do against the secondary. I hope that they, they, he's been throwing some crazy ass balls lately. Like, he's been taking some shots. Um, yeah. you can't do that on this secondary. So we'll, we'll see. I, I like Kansas city in this spot though. Yeah. I guess I'm curious on how the Patriots match up here. Cause if you remember this game last year playoffs, I mean, uh, what we had one punt, <laughs> you know, it was back and forth And in, unfortunately, Stefan Gilmore can't really take away Tyree kill. Um, he doesn't have the speed corner and, right. Stephon Gilmore doesn't play in the slaughter over the middle where you take away Kelsey. So Kansas City is one of the few teams that has two guys who are their main targets that New England's not necessarily, I don't want to say they're not equipped because it's New England, but it's they're not built to stop it. They, you don't have your traditional guys where you may just see Stephon Gilmore on Sammy Watkins saying, hey, we're taking him away. And then we're going to load that middle. You know, you, we may see some. That's what's going to happen. Good call. I, I mean, I'm just curious on how they play it. You know, are you going to throw two safeties over the top? Are you going to play cover one and throw a safety down in the box? Are you going to play with six DBs? Because unfortunately, it, I it think sounds that's like. The yeah, it, it sounds like Kansas City is going to be without two of their running backs. We're going to see a Darwin Thompson, a rookie, getting a, a lot more playing time. And I think that's the key. If you can get him out in space, Patriots have had some struggles this year with covering running backs out of the backfield. So Darwin Thompson is a name that I'm kind of looking at in DFS or just in uh, player props or a long shot, I guess, in a PPR type league because I think he could see, you know, five to eight targets in the passing game. And I think Bill's going to try to make him check it down. You know, he's going to say, I'm throwing a guy deep. You know, I could see a cover one where you just got a guy playing center field, Tyrone Matthew style, going, hey, right. Tyreek Hill, no. Like, hey, we're playing main coverage of Tyreek Hill, but you, you as the safety, your only job is not to get beat over the top. And they're going to ask Mahomes, 
hey, check it down, force him to throw these short routes. But then on the other side, I mean, Sony Michelle's looks so below average. James White finally got back involved in the offense last week. And to your point, with Chris in garbage Jones, time, but he did. Yeah, and I mean, with Chris Jones finally back in the fold, that run defense with a healthy lineup has been fantastic for Kansas City. So I know people want to dog on them. It's not that bad of a defense. They were just hurt. They were just banged up. I mean, the same way a lot of teams are. And so with a fully healthy team, but I, I don't know. To me, if I'm going Kansas City, I'm going first half because we've seen this story before, Kyle. You see yeah. Andy Reid not able to make <laughs> halftime adjustments. Yes. He's not able to call the timeouts at the right time. And it just seems like if we're in a close game, God, the Patriots will just find a way just by, based on Andy Reid's ineptus. Great offense of mine, above average head coach, but man, as an in-game adjustment, he is horrendous. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you saw they got it to within six points to the Texans last week by just scoring late. Uh, yeah, you can go KC plus two and a half even money first half. You can go plus 145 to win first half outright. I kind of like that. Yeah, I think that's certainly a way to look with Kansas City here. So, um, well, for the last game that we'll wrap up, we got Sunday night football, Seattle Seahawks. We've mentioned 10 and two head on the road. Uh, this line's moved a little bit, Kyle. The Seattle opened up as a three-point favorite and are all the way to a plus-one dog. Um, after what we saw from the Rams' performance versus Arizona, over under 46.5. So, Kyle, I'll start with this. Are you shocked with the line movement and this essentially being a pick'em game at this point? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. I mean, I wish I had some better insight on that. I, I was even considering Seattle when it got to minus 2.5. Now that it's at plus 1, I don't see how – like, if you want to argue that this is a letdown game for S- Seattle or a must-win for the Rams, okay. But this is definitely take the point for Seattle or the money – I guess money line at that point, right, just to get a little better odds. Right. Or don't play it. Like, I'm not betting on this Ram team, Rams team. Me and J-Mac have talked about it. I think this team stinks. I think they are beating, beating bad teams and winning games when they need to win, but they're not going to beat the Seattle team. Uh you know, I, I have a lot of concerns about the offense. You know, Brandon Cooks not coming back. Todd Gurley obviously has aged somehow to like a forty-five-year-old man in one season, and I just don't, I just don't see this game going well for them. Uh, love, love Seattle here in the spot, and we may, uh, we may revisit that later. And this is so. This is Sunday night game, so I will officially be done and killed in all my fantasy leagues, almost guaranteed. Wow, you have no confidence in your teams. Oh, dude, my matchups are just incredibly bad, and I've got—I mean, I lost so many important players. Yeah, I'm not—I'm not feeling good about it. Well, hey, we'll hope you're still in it. But yeah, I, I guess you know what—I've been banging on Seattle all year. I know. Me and Justin waiting for you to come around, man. I'm coming around. This is okay, it. Cool. I'm coming around, and the reason is—I I think we saw it. Rashad Penny getting more involved. Love that. Getting Josh Gordon more and more involved. Just. You know what? Seattle doesn't ask anyone to do anything more than what they're good at. They're just having Josh Gordon run slants. Like, hey, you're a big body. You're quick. DK Metcalf, just run straight or a stop route. Um, Jacob Hollister, just catch the ball and fall over. (laughs) I was about to text you when DK did this little stop route. I'm like, hey, there's route number two, baby. The route tree's expanding. He he looks at him and goes, number one or number two. That's all he does. And so... (sighs) I, and yeah, the, this Rams team, anytime I've bought into them, they throw up a goose egg. If Clowney's healthy, he's going to live in their backfield. I'm completely staying away. I pray to God Seattle loses, but I'm not I'm not going to bet against them anymore. I'm done. Damn, I wanted you to say you were on the Rams because last time you were on the Rams, I was like, dude, don't do it. And Baltimore murdered them. So I was that was going to be my sign that I need to take Seattle. I'm going to save myself. I'm just staying away. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to watch it. Maybe pour up a nice drink, not have anything to worry about. That's it. There's no way this Rams team makes the playoffs, right? No. no, Okay. No. no. Well, perfect. Let's move to our last segment, best bets of the week for you guys. I had a four and five week. I think we finally went off our five and four run, Cal. That's kind of crazy. Um, That has moved our season overall record here to 61 and 49. Uh, Pretty impressive that we're in, what, week 14 of the NFL season and uh, wrapped up college football. So, we're excited to round out the NFL season and in college bowl games as well. So, um, Kyle, I'm going to start. J-Mac did text in his picks. We're going to start with college football. 
We have um, J-Mac going with Baylor plus nine, a game we talked about. You and I are both disagreeing, but we begged him not, not here to do for this. us to talk him off the <laughs> ledge. So I, I don't know what else to do. Love him, but hate that pick. But we'll, we'll see. Maybe we're wrong. So he went Baylor plus nine. My college pick is going to be a game we obviously talked about uh, with the LSU-Georgia. I like the over 54 there. I think that's a spot where Georgia is going to score some late points, I think, because I think I believe LSU will be up a decent amount. I just think LSU is going to be able to, to score as they have on most SEC teams this year. Uh, so I'm going over 54. Perfect. Well, I'm going to head to a college football game that we didn't talk about at all and no one's going to talk about or watch. Uh, UL Lafayette plus seven versus Appalachian Let's go. State. Taking the points. I'm I'm just not a fan of Appalachian State. They keep skating by. They've had some awkward wins, specifically versus UNC, that's made them overrated. I think it's gonna be a great game. Revenge factor here for Lafayette. Um, and Lafayette's me, on fire right now. Lafayette is on fire. They're gonna have the home field advantage based on location here. I think just plus seven is too much. Appalachian State could certainly still win, but I'll take a, I'll take the plus seven all day with with uh, the raging Cajuns. Hey, I love. Show me some Sunbelt love, man. I love it. Absolutely. Well, let's head to the NFL. J Mac, uh, as no surprise, he's going to buy the half point. Patriots minus two and a half, minus one twenty. Uh, I don't think we need to go into any words there. Uh, Kyle, where are you going to the NFL? Yeah, this is business as usual for that, man. So I'm going to put a, a little teaser together. I know we don't Ooh. do that too often on best bets here, but you know most books will offer you a 10-point teaser. It is minus 110, so it's essentially like taking the line. Nice. So I am going uh, Eagles teased from minus 9 to plus 1. Okay. God almighty, if the Eagles lose that game, it's just like, I don't know what to think about them anymore. I got Ravens teased to plus four. That's just, like I said, I see them winning that game. There's no way the Bills win that by more than a field goal in my eyes. And then uh, taking Seattle plus 11. I mean, I just think that's an absolute gift. What do you think about – I know we don't do a lot of teasers here, especially the three-teamers. What do you think about that? Yeah, I like it. I mean, division game with Seattle, I mean, getting double digits, uh, just – I mean, even even to get them to seven and a half, it just doesn't feel like a a game that they're going to – get blown out on um, 11 is insane 11 seems like a lot of points so i certainly like where your head's at i agree with you on the eagles eli manning back in action for the new york giants this weekend Perfect. so career 116 and 116 record so he's either going to be above or below 500 after this so this is a perfect game for him i absolutely love it um for nfl I- i'm gonna muddy it up this week I- i'm just taking all crap teams that no one wants to bet on just to make this fun starting with the raging cajuns and then i'm gonna head up to the northeast and take the new york giants minus five versus the dolphins adam gase going versus former team a revenge factor from earlier in the season it's getting robbie anderson involved Le'Veon bell's looking a little okay, bit wait, better. okay jets i thought you said giants okay jets. oh yeah I, I apologize i may have said that new york jets um versus the dolphins i just think this is a situation miami Miami coming off a huge win versus Philly. They don't want to travel to the Northeast and play in the cold and snowy weather. It's going to be an all-in effort for the Jets. And Sam Darnold's finally looking like the guy he did last year. And this may be yes. who he is. He only starts to play well when the team's out of it and at the end of the year when no one else cares. So I'm taking the Jets minus five. I just think this is a laydown spot for one of the worst teams in football. And, I mean, minus five. I mean, I think the Jets were minus seven on the road. Um, in Miami, so I feel like I'm getting a couple points of value. <laughs> Miami's here. getting a lot of credit. Yeah, you're getting a lot of credit from a Dolphins team that beat this this Jets team, and then also, um, you know, just beat from the Philly, Philly win. Yeah, Philly that win. that's ridiculous. And I think Sam Darnold's really coming into his zone. It's like he's, uh, you know, in, in true, uh, you know, prepubescent form. His beat is his mono, perhaps at this point. He's only uh, look. People forget this. He's 22 years old. I mean, that this is crazy. Is a kid, who got drafted at 20 years old overall. I mean, last year, he was a 21-year-old. I mean, it's a young kid who's coming into it with one of the below-average offenses in the NFL. I'm just not not running to lay judgment on him. He's coming into his own. Uh, well, let, well, let's round it out with our dog of the week. Uh, J-Max could ahead for San Francisco, plus three on the road at the Saints. I think uh, Kyle and I agree with this. We love what San Francisco's been doing. So um, plus three for San Francisco. Tough game, but that, that's his best pick of, of the week to me. Uh, I'm going to go to the game we talked uh, nauseam about early, early in the show. 
Give me those Oregon Ducks plus seven. Um, it's six and a half on most books. It is seven at a few books there, guys. I would buy the half point if your book has it at six and a half. Uh, my book's offering at seven at minus 115. So I think that's the uh, the play in that Pac-12 game on Friday. Plus, it'll be fun to have something going Friday, Friday night. Wow. Love that. Love that one. Like I said, I'm, I'm muddying this thing up. I'm, I'm not making it fun at all. I'm going to take the Bengals plus eight and a half. Wow. Play so the Browns. Bengals, ULL, and the Jets. Holy shit. No one wants to bet any three of these teams. Yeah, what, what is the line? I have to write this down to hold you accountable, but I haven't even looked at any Bengals game. I got plus eight and a half for the Bengals okay. on the road. Division wow. game. The Browns coming off a terrible loss. I don't know what's in the tank. No Miles Garrett. Andy Dalton's back. Bengals are on a win streak of one game. Dude, looking that's for two. what I'm saying. I'm not saying they don't have to win this thing. They just got to keep it within eight. If, I think a good rule of thumb for all of our our gambling friends here, if you're getting eight and a half from Freddie Kitchens, not a bad deal. Absolutely. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. We'll be back next week to break down the college football playoffs that will be announced Sunday night. Be on the look for that, as well as uh, NFL as we round into form into week 15. Be sure to follow all our shows on sensiblyloud.com, Twitter at sensiblyloud. Instagram at Sensibly Loud and Facebook at Sensibly Loud Media. Till then, we'll be back with you guys. Keep it PC.